And now, Monumental Sports and Entertainment along with Pressbox presents Stan the Fans Bat Around. For the next two hours, listen in as Stan and Craig Heist bat around all manner of topics pertaining to the great game of baseball with their great group of guest contributors. Feel free to tweet your questions to Stan at Stan the Fan. Now sit back and enjoy the bat around. Guys, take it away. All right, and as you know, there are no guys in here today. It's a guy and a gal, Stan the Fan and Brittany Everett riding shotgun and making sure the show runs smoothly. Craig Heist is on his Masson assignment doing the Masson Nats show uh, where they pay the, the nice dollars. So he's over there, and we can't compete, Britt. We can't compete you know, with the cost of you and me. There's not right. very much left for Craig Heist. I know, exactly. We are heavy hitters on the payroll. No question about it. No question about it. How was your week this week? It's been good. How has your been? Good. Good. No complaints. We had that little mini snow that surprised me. Came out of nowhere. Are we supposed to get more snow? I think it's supposed to snow on Sunday as well. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Well, it can't come soon enough for me to board that plane on Wednesday for Sarasota, Florida. I'll be down there to uh, watch the Orioles up close and personal. And by the way, you can watch tomorrow's game, Sunday. Um, you can watch the Orioles and the Tigers play. I think it's from Ed Smith Stadium. I'll double-check that in a little bit. But it is definitely against the Tigers, and it's definitely starting at 3.05. Welcome in to this edition of the Bat Around. And by the way, we are now broadcasting. You don't see the signage up yet. Uh, by the time I get back from Sarasota, I hope we'll have some signage up to proclaim loud and clear that we are broadcasting from the live casino and hotel studio uh, right here in beautiful downtown Hamden in the um, Meadow Mill uh, facility. We are uh, live, uh, and it is the bat around. And by the way, I just informed Brittany, and she had no way of knowing this, and I wouldn't have really known it, but somehow Facebook sent a message to my wife yesterday celebrating the third anniversary of the bat around. So what started with um, initially Adam Gladstone, uh, and then gave way to Craig Heist. Uh, it's had a couple other people for a couple shows here and there, but basically it's either been me by myself, Craig by himself, Adam by himself, uh, or me and Adam and me and Craig, but three years, and they said it would never last. Here's what we've got on the show today. At 1020, we'll do an Orioles, uh, more Oriole discussion and preview of this team. Andrew Stetka from the Utah Street Report and Masson will join us uh, at 10.45. I've um, used my connection with Howard Bender, one of the owners and proprietors of Fantasy Alarm Company, fantasyalarm.com. They have a sensational fantasy media guide uh, or, or guide, um, and it's Jim Bowden's name is attached to it. We'll talk to Matt Zell specifically about some prospect information. Not only will we look at prospects like Austin Hayes, Usnail Diaz, uh, Eloy Jimenez. You know, we'll, we'll blind you with all the names of the big prospects around the game. We will also get some information from Matt that is really fascinating. And Matt spells his last name S-E-L-Z, 
a nice Jewish guy from New Jersey who is living in Lincoln, Nebraska. Uh, and he's going to be uh, some help to us during the season uh, once fantasy season starts. But fantasy prep season is here. And I think Matt's information regarding rookies is really to be um, – um, it, I won't say you need to follow it 100% because, as he'll explain, there are, there are some outliers, uh, players like Glaber Torres or Michael uh, Andujar, that really had sensational seasons last year. But for the most part, I think you'll be shocked at the uh, performance of rookies overall in 2018 uh, versus qualified hitters and qualified pitchers. Those are guys that are experienced versus rookies. 11.05 or thereabouts, Mike Janoski will join us to chat about a column that he wrote from uh, Los Angeles where he lives. Uh, Mike, a former uh, sports writer for the Baltimore Sun, the Miami Herald, and New York Times, and he finished up an illustrious career as a writer at the New York Times and the news side of things, uh, and he retired probably about four or five years ago. But Mike was at the New York Times for about 30 years, I think, total, between his sports work and his news side stuff. And when he gets to L.A., he finds out that he needs something to fill some time. And what does he find? He re-finds his team of his youth, the Baltimore Orioles, and watches just about every game. And his uh, observations, while he doesn't know this batch of players, his observations about what's in store this summer how different it's going to be from rooting for Adam Jones and Manny Machado and Chris Tillman. Uh, it's going to be and Matt Weeders and, uh, you know, um, uh, so on and so forth uh, as the Orioles develop players like Trey Mancini and uh, uh, Michael Givens and Zach Britton. How much different it's going to be for this faceless and nameless sort of uh, band of players. So it'll be interesting to talk to him. At 11.20, we'll be joined by an old friend. Uh, he is now, I think he's entering his third or fourth season. I think it's his third full season with the Aberdeen Ironbirds as their general manager. Matt Slatus will join us, and Matt will talk to us about how his son Jonah's doing, who's now about 18, 19 months old, I'm guessing. And he'll talk to us about the Aberdeen season, what was lost last year because of rain, and how he's keeping number one, his fingers crossed, that they don't get a repeat of that kind of weather. Uh, but we'll talk to him about uh, the return of some theme, uh, theme nights, um, the fact that the steam crabs are resurfacing in 2019. That's, that's a temporary name of a team, not the fact that they serve steamed crabs. We'll find out if they still do uh, serve uh, steamed crabs. The return of manager Kevin Bradshaw, who was battling some health issues uh, last year, uh, and somebody who's going to be joining his uh, staff is Tom Eller, uh, the former head coach at Hartford Community College. Tom Eller. Um, we'll talk about him and how nicely Eller's background fits in with some of what Mike Elias, Sig Meidel, and the Orioles are trying to do. Uh, and then finally, we got an exciting guest um, at 11.35, and this is compliments of Adam Gladstone. There's uh, all this discussion of rule changes uh, uh, throughout the game of Major League Baseball. And trust me, they don't make too many significant changes without trying them out first in preseason exhibition games, 
or in the minor leagues. Well, the uh, Atlantic League, uh, their president is Rick White. Rick White is going to join us and talk about a new three-year deal that Major League Baseball and the Atlantic League are entering into, uh, and a large chunk of the reason is to put in play some uh, rule changes, experiment with some rule changes, and most notably, uh, the two that uh, we're going to discuss uh, are the um, advent of um, the advent of moving the pitcher's mound back slightly. It's been sixty feet six inches for God knows how long. Uh, maybe Rick will know the exact year that that's been the distance from the uh, home plate to the pitcher's rubber. But uh, they're going to experiment with moving it back just a little bit, which would, what would that do? That would add more offense to the game of baseball. What needs to be studied, though, and I think this is extremely interesting, extremely cautionary, is what is it going to do to pitchers' arms to throw from further back? Are they going to feel the need to overthrow uh, because they're, they're losing two, two miles, three miles an hour on velocity. Uh, but uh, baseball is struggling right now with how to keep the game interesting and the pitching, um, especially with the advent of the use of the bullpens, uh, pitching is really taking over the game of baseball. And um, so I won't say ruining the game of baseball, but certainly making it, a lot of swing and miss, and when there's swing and miss and the number of strikeouts is greater than the number of hits in a major league season, uh, it is uh, an alarm time uh, going off that says we got to do something about this. There's too much inaction in baseball, and I think it's uh, very true. I mean, I love a great pitcher's duel. Don't get me wrong. I like a two-to-one game, a crisply played two-to-one game, but, but, a, but games that are all too often – you know, 25 strikeouts combined between the two teams. There's that, that means when you have that many strikeouts, you're usually seeing dominance from the pitching, not a lot of base runners, not a lot of action, and when there's no action, uh, there's not a lot of interest. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Rick White about that rule change and a couple other things that MLB is interested in doing. They're implementing uh, the TrackMan radar devices at all eight uh, Atlantic League um, teams, and uh, we'll talk about what that will do and what kind of data that will give Major League Baseball. Now, Rick has made it clear to me we do not know when or if th this part's going to be interesting, but the TrackMan uh, radar devices would allow for electronically called balls and strikes uh, at the Atlantic League level. We'll find out where that stands in the discussion between MLB and uh, the Atlantic League, all right? So we are here for Saturday. We uh, always mention that we are in the live casino and hotel studios, um, and uh, we really appreciate our new and different relationship with Live Casino and Hotel. They've been our title sponsorship of our now defunct uh, Inside Press Box TV show. Uh, where we've decided to move a lot of our energy into doing some more podcasting, and hence uh, that started it off, got the ball rolling with them uh, jumping on board with the naming rights for our studio. It's something like three years ago, if you had said to me three or four years ago, boy, we're going to start doing podcasting, and we're going to have shows on every day, 
and we're going to end up selling the naming rights to our studio. I would have thought you were crazy, but uh, it's happened, and uh, we 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 move the needle a little bit forward each uh, each and every uh, month here at Press Box as we try to. Uh, uh, bring value to the studio. Um, so that's what we have for you. Again, as I do at the beginning of every show, uh, I urge you to please like the show on your Facebook page. If you're watching us on Facebook Live, uh, like the show and share the show. It's very important to us. Um, you know, I don't mean to, to pester you, but it's a simple thing, and I'm always amazed that that number is somewhere between five and seven or eight people that share the show, yet we'll see numbers. This show routinely has four or 500 people that view parts of the show, which is a nice size audience for a podcast like this. When you, when you accumulate the total during the week, we are seen and heard by a lot of people, and we want those people to then say, hey, this is pretty good. If you're watching it, you must think it's fairly decent. Like it and share it because that what that does, it exposes the show to a wider audience. And we are only as good as that widening audience. So we please ask you to like the show and to share the show. So we've got a lot in store uh, on this uh, Saturday morning, March the 2nd. Again, the Orioles will play. Um, I'm sure they're playing today, but I know that they're on Masson tomorrow at 3.05 against the Detroit Tigers. Uh, the Orioles, um, there have been some good things and some bad things. Most notably, and uh, we'll, I'm sure, talk to Andrew Stetka about this, uh, but most notably has been the play, and, and I couldn't tell you how he's catching the ball behind the plate or how he's throwing base runners out, but the number one talent that Chance Sisko brought, the number two pick from about four years ago that he brought to the table – was that he could hit. There was really never any question that Chance Sisko was going to be a solid major league hitter. You know, we're not talking about a guy who's going to probably win any batting titles, uh, but he's a guy that at his best should be able to provide you with 17 uh, to 20 home runs, 65 to 75 RBIs, uh, and uh, in time, will do a decent job behind the home behind home plate. I think he's also very capable of hitting 275, 280. He's a left-handed hitter, which means he faces 65% right-handed pitching. Uh, and I think that Chancisco has a chance. There's that word chance from the live casino hotel studio. Cause I, I see what you did there. Sir. Gaming is about chance. Right. So Chancisco uh, has four home runs already. Now, I know I kid around about this a lot, but uh, here's, uh, here's three catchers. Chance Sisko, right? He was my fantasy camp catcher for my fantasy team catcher last year. I had last year after the draft, and it was Sunday, March, whatever it was, but the season opened on Thursday last year. On Sunday before that Thursday, I had to turn in my keepers and draft my team at the auction against Scott Garceau, Jeremy Kahn, um, you know, I only mention them because those are the people you'd know, but it's a, a host of some really smart baseball people. So my catchers, I, I reserved Sal Perez. I had him at about 10 or $11, which is a great price to have Sal Perez. And I drafted uh, Chancisco. I think I paid $6 for Chancisco. Before the season started, 
on Wednesday. The season started on Thursday. So now I'm, I've drafted my team. My team is set. Doesn't mean you can't get players to replace injured players. Sal Perez picked up a suitcase and injured his knee and was out about six or eight weeks. And Chance Sisko, you saw what that is like. Chance Sisko, so far this exhibition season, has four home runs, nine or ten runs batted in. That's probably more than he did for me in two and a half months last year before I dropped him. Uh, another catcher, Jan Gomes. He was my catcher two years ago. He's doing pretty well in Washington uh, Nationals camp. They had a great season with the Indians, but not when I had him. So uh, should I do a favor for the Baltimore Orioles this coming baseball season and not draft Chance Cisco? What do you think? I mean, it does seem like you have a streak of bad luck when you draft these players. So. There's, a, there's an old B.B. King song. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Wow, and that's, that's, way, that's exactly your yeah, life. Yeah, that is my life. That is my life. Except I married a good woman. Oh, good. That's yeah. good. Yeah. What are you doing after the show? <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, sorry. it is the bat around for Saturday, March the 2nd. We're going to make our connection with Andrew Stetka momentarily. Um, again, another article came out yesterday, and I've been sort of sizing this up. I thought it was fascinating about uh, late January or early February, this talk about Major League Baseball and the Players Association in the midst of a real sort of cold war between the two of them right now, that they suddenly, it came out that they were exchanging some proposals about some rule changes, not the big stuff, not the stuff that's necessarily going to affect the economics of the game in any great way, but some things like a three-batter minimum for pitchers starting next year in 2020, an expansion to a 26-man roster with a maximum of 13 pitchers also starting in 2020, a 28-man roster in September with a 14-pitcher maximum. And remember, this is the thing that Buck Showalter, Orioles former manager, uh, he's also the former manager of Texas Rangers, Arizona Diamondbacks, and New York Yankees, great manager. Um, he has been touting this horn ever since. I don't know whether he was touting it back in Texas, but as soon as he became Orioles manager and the Orioles began to be competitive, he brought up how unfair it was for competitive teams that are trying to play to, to get into the postseason and to perhaps you know, make the postseason versus teams that really aren't playing for a lot other than seeing their uh, young players come up and sort of give them a taste of the major leagues. How fair is that when the team that's competing, the good team in a matchup, let's say the Orioles are, it's five years ago, and the Orioles are facing Tampa Bay, and Tampa Bay's in last place, the Orioles are in first place or second place. They need every win is important. And the Orioles are going to stick with, for the most part, uh, their 25-man roster. They might add one or two players or three players, but it's they're only going to play those guys at, at moments when they're not going to be the deciders in a baseball game. Well, the Tampa Bay Rays under that scenario, they're looking at the next stars that they have. And they're, they've got more players to – they've got more left-handed pitchers to match up against left-handed hitters. So it's been, it's been a very bizarre situation uh, over these years, allowing 
an uneven amount of players to be with different teams. And this one of the rule changes they're talking about is a 28-man roster in September with a 14-pitcher maximum. There's a talk about a reduction in mound visits from 6 to 5 in 2019 and 5 to 4 in 2020 and shorter inning breaks, commercial breaks. We're going to be talking uh, about these uh, for many, many weeks ahead. But joining us right now is Andrew Stetka from uh, the Utah Street Report and MassInSports.com. He lives in Arizona, and he joins us right now. Andrew, how are you, my friend? Morning, Stan. How are you? I'm doing great. And first of all, congratulations. Uh, You and I don't know each other physically that well, and by physically I mean in person. I've met you several times, but I wouldn't really, if you'd said, how much does Andrew Stetka weigh? You look like you've lost about 40 to 50 pounds. Is that accurate? Not quite that much. Almost almost 20 in in about the last uh, month, month and a half. Well, it looks like a lot more on you. I appreciate it. Okay. It looks good, seriously, and I bet you feel better, don't you? I do, definitely. Yeah. Glenn Clark's lost like like roughly 50 pounds in a year. Yeah, he's up around 50 or 60, I think. I, you know, he's, he's been talking about it for a while now. I yeah. figured I might as well get into the game. Yeah. I'll tell you what. You guys are at your age. That's the time to get into it. I lost. I started eating isogenics. Do you know what that is? The yeah, bar, yeah, The bars and here. shakes. Well, I've... I lost about 13 or 14 pounds. I couldn't do it religiously because they asked you to do a cleanse, and my doctor did not want me to do the cleanse with the medications I take. But Ken Zalis, who lost about 60 or 70 pounds on Isogenic, said, I got a secret to tell you. I lost all this weight without the cleanse. I started, I lost about 13 pounds. I have not been able to get past that, though. No. I mean, I eat too many calories. What can I tell you? Um Let's talk a little baseball. Um, I I said I'm doing uh, Masson like once a week now uh, in the Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. They asked us to sound off on a topic uh, every so often. And about two weeks ago, I sounded off on despite all the bluster and negativity going on between the Major, Major League Baseball Players Association and MLB, I saw a real positive sign coming when, when they began to discuss these sort of uh, changes to the game, these are not the grand scheme of things, economic changes, but they are some changes. And I thought that that signaled that Major League Baseball really took seriously that they needed to get the ball rolling. They could not wait until six months before the next basic agreement. Uh, it sounds like they are moving forward together on some of these issues that will affect the game, not the economics of the game. Your thoughts? Well, there's no question that, that there's been positive movement, and I think, like you said, the most important thing is that there is conversation. Both both sides are at least talking. Um, it, it, you know, none of the big things are, are are you know really pushing forward yet. But like you said, early it, it's early enough now that just initiating talks and just starting to talk uh, is a good thing, and. Eventually, some of these, you know, big changes to the actual on-the-field game and the economic part of the game are going to have to meet somewhere. They're, yep. they're going to have to combine, and, and, you know, negotiations will have to take place, and, and both sides will have to give a little bit uh, on certain things that they want. But I certainly think the fact that both sides are talking this early and at least initiating discussions rather than putting off until, like you said, six months before 
uh, things really, you know, reach an impasse is, is a good thing. It's, it's a promising start to things, at least. You know, I, at my age, I can't remember things all the time, and I forget his last name. I think it might be Whites, but the new lawyer that MLB hired is a disciple of Don Fear. Uh, excuse me, that the Players Association has hired. I, I think they know deep down that Tony Clark didn't do a great job matching wits with uh, Rob Manfred two years ago. Uh, the players kind of got their, their, you know, they got their hat handed to them a bit. I think the fact that they brought in a serious negotiator, I think Major League Baseball has its eyes wide open and is saying, there's a lot of money in our game. Yeah, we want to control certain things, but we, we better get the ball rolling and, and talk to the other side, and I think it's a very positive sign. Yeah, there's no question, and, and the, the, the evidence of the money in the game was you know, really shown in the last two weeks with deals like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper finally getting done after a long offseason. It's been a weird couple of offseasons now in baseball, and you know, teams are... It, it, it's a very weird landscape in Major League Baseball right now when you've got about you know 20 to 22 teams that are just out there not I don't want to say not trying but they're right. not out there spending they're ju- money they're jockeying they're jockeying for position to get draft picks they're j- jockeying right. to see when their their right window is going to open yeah it's not a it's not a totally healthy environment right it's now. It's not. And, and when you've got teams such as the, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Phillies, the Dodgers, the Astros, the Cubs, uh, maybe throw the Indians and Brewers in there as, as somewhat smaller market teams, but teams that are at least spending a little bit and trying, um, when you've only got that handful of teams that are really out there making the effort to win, you're going to have your outliers like the Rays who don't spend but still somehow seem to compete. Um, you know, the Rockies, I think, are another example of that. And, and, and even they are spending now with, with giving Nolan Arenado the big, uh, long contract extension. You know, these teams, when there's only a handful of them trying to compete, it doesn't make for, you know, a good environment because you've got all these free agents still out there. And we, you know, we know that Harper and Machado signed, but there are still guys like Craig Kimbrell and Dallas Keuchel, and Adam uh, Jones, Dallas, and Adam, and Adam Jones, Jones yeah. out there on the market. And we're now, you know, we're into March now, and the season is, you know, three, three and a half weeks away from starting, and these guys don't have homes. That's it, a problem. That's that's something that has to change. You know what's interesting, though, and I know the names I'm going to sh- shoot out at you aren't as sexy as Machado, Keuchel, Arenado, and Harper and all that. Uh, and, and if you're living in the Kimbrell household or the Keuchel household, You've got every right to be frustrated that you haven't been able to get a deal, but maybe your 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 management or agent hasn't really been a, attacking it the right way, and maybe you haven't been reasonable. But, you know, it, the old line about don't let the facts get in the way of a good story, just as Tony Clark was coming out and really starting to be adamant about how uh, unfair this free agency system's been, all of a sudden, I think Tony Clark got the rug pulled out of him a little bit with extensions to players like Jorge Polanco, Max Kepler, Miles Mikolos, Luis Severino, Aaron Hicks. They may not be paying the extreme superstars what they think they should get, but they are showing in a different way that some of these teams are going to spend money to keep their own. Well, there's no question, and, and I think a lot of these players are now getting the idea that if there happens to be a worst-case scenario and there's a work stoppage in, in the near future, 
they want to lock down a guarantee for when you know things. If if they do get bad, they want to lock things down for for when and if they do. I know the A's are are now reportedly talking about extending Chris Davis. Uh, that's Chris with a K. You know, obviously yeah, there's the Orioles have already. We've locked down our Chris Davis. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> there's there's a lot of these. You know, they're not the upper echelon players. They're not the Nolan Arnados, the Bryce Harpers, the Manny Machados of the world. But there's a lot of these second-tier players that are really important and very good players. Like you, you mentioned, a bunch of them, the Aaron Hicks of the world, Aaron Nola signed an extension, yep. um, that, that, that are going to start getting these deals that are, frankly, necessary and probably you know not only team-friendly, but in terms of the landscape, they're going to look more player-friendly as well because it's going to get these guys assurances of deals rather than having them sit out on a free agent market like Keuchel and Kimbrell have had to do. Yeah, and I think you are going to see at this next basic agreement, I'm going to make a pretty bold prediction right now, and I did sort of predict it about two or three weeks ago when I was sitting in on Mid-Atlantic Sports Report. I think you are going to see a real rarity. I think they are going to strike a deal on a new basic agreement a year to a year and a half in advance of the, the current one expiring. I, I think they are going to be proactive and come up with some reasonable changes to free agency, which is a system that's been around, what, 40, uh, it's been around about over 40 years now, I think. You know, right. any economic system after 40 years is probably going to need some modifications, and I think you're about to see that, where players may get the free agency a little sooner, um, may get to arbitration a bit sooner, and a significant increase maybe in minimum salary when you make it to the major leagues. Well, and the other thing that very, very much needs a reform is that just the fact that we've seen such an influx of youth in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, we, we've seen players like Machado, like Mike Trout, like Bryce Harper come up at an earlier age, make an impact at an earlier age. And now we've seen in the past, you know, players who are ready for the majors, even at a younger age, uh, have to suffer in the minor league. You're talking about like the Vla- you're talking about the Vlad Guerrero exactly, situation that's exactly this year. Exactly where I'm yeah. getting to, and now we we saw it happen with Chris Bryant with the Cubs. Yep, um, we've seen it happen with a number of players, and now it's going to happen to Vlad Guerrero here. They're going to suppress him for a few weeks in the minors to gain another to, year, to gain yep. another year of service time, and and that's something that needs to change. When these players are ready to come up, they need to be brought up because th- there's no reason to keep them down in the minors on a minor league salary. It's not fair. It's, to it's the not fair, and, and it's, it's not, not fair, fair to the, the fans. It's not fair to the fans and the game itself because these it's are people. Correct. That can, yeah, yeah. You and I are thinking alike. Great minds think alike. We're talking to Andrew Stetka. This is the Bat Around. We're broadcasting live from the live casino and hotel studios. Um, I don't know if you knew that or not, but we've named our studios. We got a sponsorship deal with our friends at Live Casino and Hotel. Uh, Andrew Stetka. Um, That's wonderful. It is wonderful. It is wonderful. Uh, I know if you're like me, uh, and I think we are similar, only you're a couple time zones away, you haven't seen much or anything of the Oriole play yet, but have you deciphered anything from box scores or reading about the games other than that Chance Cisco likes not being part of my fantasy team? <laughs> I watched a, a good bit of the game the other day against the Phillies. It was on an ugly network. I recorded it and went back and watched a, a good bit of that one. Um, but to be honest with you, Stan, I don't take a whole lot of stock in spring training yep. games. They are about as meaningful to me as preseason NFL games or 
um, you know, anything else. It, it, it's these guys are just getting their bodies right and getting themselves ready. Chance Disco has looked great. It's 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 true, and and a lot's going to be expected of him. I don't know if you saw it, uh, but this morning on the Athletic, Dan Connolly posted a nice uh, profile of Chance Disco and kind of what the expectations are for him this mm-hmm. season. It's a good read for for folks who haven't seen it yet. Um, his season is very important, as are a lot of these players. You know, not just some of the younger players uh, like Cisco and, and Trey Mancini, but, you know, there are a couple of Rule 5 candidates to make this club. Um, this is obviously, everyone knows, this is going to be a, a not a season that the Orioles expect to win a lot of games, um, but it's an important one in the first year of manager Brandon Hyde and, and GM Michael Ias where they're going to want to develop some of these stars and see who, these, these young players and see who can become a star. Um and just see kind of, you know, who can maybe be around for when this team is ready to win again in, in three or four or five years. Um, and, you know, you mentioned Cisco. He's one of the ones that I'm looking at the most. And it's not so much can he develop his, his bat, which we've seen early in the spring, uh, which really struggled last year, but it's, it's even more so can he develop his glove and his defense behind the plate. That's going to be really crucial for him. Um, because that's something that coming up through the minors he struggled with, and if he can sure up that part of his game, um, that'll go a long way into into solidifying him as a starter and, and you know perhaps the long term starter on this team. You know the other thing to to remember, you know the expression "don't throw the baby out with the bathwater" uh, is is Chance Cisco's number one talent all the time coming up, and it's why they drafted him was as a hitter. And I wonder if there was a little bit, so much emphasis and pressure put on him by Buck and John Russell to improve your defense, improve your defense, that that focus on that end of the game sort of pressured him into what he was last year offensively. Remember, this is a guy who in time could play some first base. He could DH. Um, You know, you don't want to lose the one talent he really should have, which is to be a left-handed hitter that can stroke 15 to 20 home runs, knock in 65, 70 runs, and hit you 275, 280. Right. There's no question. And it's also important to remember he's 24 years old. You know, he's still still a young player and still learning how to play this game at a major league level. So that'll all go a long way uh, this season in in a rebuilding phase. To see kind of what he can do and and how he he can not only how he can hit and and how he can perform with the bat, but like I said, defensively and how he can lead a pitching staff. Which you, is, you hit the nail on the head here. You know, I really liked what Brandon Hyde said the other day. He said we got to get this guy guy's personality to be out there that he becomes a leader of a pitching staff, and that that requires somebody to be a lot more verbal than Chance usually is. Yeah, and I think we saw a lot of that even more so from Austin Wins, the, the, the fellow rookie, who's a little older and, mm-hmm. and you know has a little more experience uh, from from down in the minors. But Austin Wins, I think, showed a little more defensive prowess than Cisco, and I think he showed um, you know a little more of a connection with the pitching staff when he was behind the plate last year. And I think he's probably a good candidate to back up Cisco this year. Uh, he'd, he'd be my choice, you know, here in the early going. We'll see kind of how things develop. There's some other catchers in camp, but um, but yeah, that's definitely something to to, to keep an eye on and, and watch develop. Uh, we talked about the um, the desire by teams to keep some players down in the minors to buy an extra year of service time. Um, if all things are equal, 
and Yusnail Diaz and Austin Hayes really perform well, do you think the Orioles would bring one or both of them up at the expense of perhaps Rickard or Stort? Or do you see, because that's still the law, that Yusnail Diaz and Hayes both start the season at AAA for at least a month, and Rickard and Stort get an opportunity to nail down right field? I think I, I definitely don't think Diaz or maybe Hayes, but I definitely don't think Diaz will be up. Yeah. Um. And 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 like we talked about with 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 holding these guys down in the minors uh, for those extra couple weeks in order to manipulate service time. I want to be clear. That's something that teams should do. Uh, it's the smart economic baseball thing to do. The problem here is not with the teams doing it; it's with the system allowing them to do it. Yeah. Um. You know, that's a smart thing that the Cubs did with Chris Bryant. Um, it's a smart thing that 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 the Blue Jays are going to do with Vlad Guerrero Jr. Um, it's not, you know, they're they're not to be blamed for following the system um, and following kind of the, the, the rules to to benefit themselves. And I think the Orioles would be smart to do the same with a player like Yusniel Diaz. I don't think we'll see him come north on the twenty-five man roster with the club to start the season, but there's certainly a chance for him to make an appearance at some point this year. And the same goes for Hayes. Um, you know, we've seen a little bit of Hayes here and there. So I'm not exactly sure if his, you know, what what his service time implications are, but um, but you know, the, a lot of players are going to have a chance in that outfield this year. There's a lot of youth out there uh, with between Cedric Mullins and DJ Stewart. Uh, you know, Rickard is a guy who's been around for a little while. I think he'll have a chance. Um, they also signed Eric Young Jr., yep. a veteran who, who who could break with the club. Um, and then there's some other names, you know, down even in the lower levels, like Mikey Stremski, who who could have a chance, uh, an outside shot to appear at some point this year. Maybe not at the outset of the season, but mm-hmm. um, but at some point down the line. What do you make of the uh, seeming obsession so far by Mike Elias and I'm guessing Sig that that they seem to to really they they took these two Rule Five guys. We know VR is going to most likely play second base, but they they've got. You know, Richie Martin, then they got Drew Jackson, they've gotten somebody else, they also have Steve Wilkerson, uh, and now they, they seem obsessed. They got Hanser Alberto uh, yesterday, another guy that plays like multiple positions. That really seems like they really want to get a competition going for that last spot in the infield, it seems like. Well, there's no question, and I think, you know, in years past, we've kind of all rolled our eyes at Rule 5 drafts, and, and, and you know, the Orioles attempting to keep what was it three Rule Five players on the roster at one right. point last year, right. um, and, and this is a, this is a team that you know, despite winning only forty seven games last year, was trying to win at the beginning of the year. They thought, hey, we we, we, we can be in this. We have a shot. And and in, in prior years, it was the same boat. They were they were keeping Rule Five one or two Rule Five guys on the roster, and it seemed kind of foolish, um, and it was frustrating for everyone to watch. Now that this team is not expecting to win and, and almost actively, you know, trying to lose uh, for a few years in order to, to rebuild. Um, it, it's almost, I'm almost excited to see these Rule 5 players and get them out there and let them play just to see what happens. Mm-hmm. I'm really excited to see both Drew Jackson and Richie Martin and see what they could do. And, you know, you put them out there in, in Major League games and if they fall on their face, hey, they're, they're Rule 5 guys. They're not, um, they're not these you know, top prospects that you drafted and brought up and expected a lot from. These are these are lottery tickets now at this point, um, and that's that's exciting to me for this team and, and where they're at. And and like you mentioned, some of the other guys like Steve Wilkerson. I mean, you know, there's a lot of these names: Rio Ruiz and and 
yep. Mielma and you know Renato Nunez, and there's a lot of these names that are just going to be thrown in there and thrown into the mix, um, especially on the left side of that infield, where you know we'll see what happens, and we'll see probably a lot of rotation and a lot of different guys uh, getting chances, and uh, you know I'm fine with that. I think that that's fun, and and. We'll see if anybody can kind of uh, you know grab a position and run with it and, and make it their own. Hey, we'll save the, the fun topics uh, for a couple weeks down the road when I'm back from Sarasota. Craig's going to be in next week working for me. Uh, he's doing the Nat Show on Mid-Atlantic Sports, uh, on the Masson Network. He's doing the Nat Show today. But um, the 8,000-pound elephant still in the room is number 19, Chris Davis, what is your and I think he's batted seven times, or at least he had through through Thursday, and he'd struck out five times. He'd hit a home run. Uh, you know the, the average can't be too good so far. Um, do you think there's any chance that he can reclaim sixty percent, seventy percent of what he once was, which would then at that point that's a ten million dollar ball player. <laughs> Isn't that amazing? Yeah, that that's a ten million dollar ball yeah. player. I mean, yeah. in this in this uh, baseball economic world, it, it is kind of incredible. I, I, I honestly, Stan, I think that there's a better chance of with <laughs> this new front office. I think there's a better chance of not not anytime soon, but before his contract is at least up. Yeah. I think there's a better chance of the Orioles cutting ties with him down the line. I... Uh, than than him regaining it. Now, that's obviously not what anyone wants. We, yeah. We'd all like him to regain. Not sixty or seventy percent. We'd like him to regain twenty-five or thirty percent of of what he used to be, and 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 that would make maybe a five or six million dollar right. ball player. Right. Um, but at this point, the Orioles are just going to kind of grin and bear it with him, and and yep. you know allow him to to play first base and and struggle more than likely, and and you know just kind of see what happens. But it it doesn't look good. And 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 look, I've I've gotten roasted on on social media for being a guy who. Uh, even as as late as the beginning of last year, defending the Chris Davis contract when it was handed out because it showed something from the organization and from the front office that they were willing to spend money finally. Um, and, and, and that was really my only defense, is yep. that at least they were willing to do something. It might not have been the right money to spend in the right place, but um, but they were at least willing to do it at the time, which at the time was a big deal. I mean, yep. that, that showed a lot. Um, it obviously has has not worked out well. It's been it's been one of the worst contracts in in baseball, if not the worst. Yep. And um, they're they're just going to kind of have to live with it now. It's it. Everyone really really complained a lot about the Ubaldo Jimenez contract when it handed was handed out, and that one looks you know looks great compared to the Chris Davis Chris now. Davis. Right. Um, and it's it's a shame, but it's something that the Orioles are going to have to live with, and and they're going to continue to. Uh, until it's over, or perhaps, like I said, maybe a few years early if they just decide to cut ties. All right, Andrew, many thanks for joining us so early in the morning out in Arizona, and continued good luck on the diet and fitness, and we'll talk to you soon. Anytime, Stan. Thanks so much. All right, Andrew Stetka writes for Utah Street Report and Masson Sports. Right now, we'll take a break from the live casino and hotel studios, uh, and I can tell you that the Costas Inn is one of our very fine sponsors, located 4100 North Point Boulevard out there in the heart of Dundalk, Hun. Um, they got specials every weeknight. Monday night is rib night. Tuesday night is crab cake night. Wednesday night is steak night. 
Thursday night is lobster night. And Brittany's like stunned that I remembered You're them without a false step. Off, yeah. I'm firing them off, man. Uh, but anyway, on Friday, Petri Antofalos has a whole set of uh, miscellaneous specials that you'll like. I'm sure if somebody ate there last night, they could probably recite those chapter and verse. They've got fantastic crab soup, fantastic crab cakes, and they also have fantastic steam crabs. But what I go for time and time again is the ambiance. I always feel like I'm at a home-cooked family restaurant, family-style restaurant. They're located 4100 North Point Boulevard. Again, I always stress this. They are a great place if you're looking to take um, the family for sort of a family anniversary or a school graduation or if you want to buy simply a gift card for somebody of 50 or 75 or or $100, give them a call, 410-477-1975. They'll take care of you. Over the phone, you can do that, and that's the Costas Inn. Experience the thrill of pulse-pounding thoroughbred racing at the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park. Watch world-class racing live or follow coast-to-coast sports on massive LED screens. Don't miss a minute of the action. Join us for live racing Thursday through Sunday. You'll be glad you did. Post-time, 1230 p.m. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing. And at Steve's Chick-fil-A in Nottingham Square, his folks come around to check on you if you dine in. They refilled my drink for nothing the last time I was there. Do not leave hungry. Top off your next meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square with something sweet. Shakes, cones, and cookies. All done the way you'd expect from Chick-fil-A perfectly. Join Chick-fil-A 1 and score points every time you order for free stuff. Our Chick-fil-A is on Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. The latest edition of Press Box is available now. On the cover, we offer one more salute to Joe Flacco as his tenure in Baltimore comes to a close. Prominent media members and public figures, including Mayor Catherine Pugh, share their thoughts on what Flacco has meant to the city. Also inside, you'll find our annual comprehensive college lacrosse preview. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and at PressBoxOnline.com. 
this is former Turp AJ Francis just here to let you know that I am a huge wrestling fan. I know you are too. And there's a lot of stupid idiots out there that ruin the wrestling podcast experience for everyone else. Hey, Aaron Oster from I the Baltimore Sun and Rolling Stone. I don't understand why people would ever cheer for Roman Reigns. He's awful. I'm sick of it. Boo! Boo, Roman Reigns! Never wrestled for Ring of Honor. Never wrestled for PWG. Never wrestled uh, in Japan. He is no Kenny Omega. Too sweet me, bro. I hate both of you. And this is why I keep stupid idiots like you on my list. This is your boy, Y2AJ, here to save you. Find Jobbing Out, the podcast tab at PressBoxOnline.com on SoundCloud or iTunes. All right, we are live from the live casino and hotel studios. This is Stan the Fan, Craig Heist on another assignment today. By the way, he will be back next Saturday, and I will be in sunny Sarasota, Florida. Joining me right now uh, as we take another dive into the fantasy baseball world is a key contributor for Fantasy Alarm. You've heard Howard Bender on the show. This is one of his key uh, staff writers, and that is Matthew Zells. Matt, how are you? I am good this morning. How are things in Lincoln, Nebraska? Uh, they appear to be sunny. I'm not sure how cold. I haven't been outside yet. Probably pretty chilly, though, because it's, well, early March in Nebraska. All right. Well, we appreciate your coming on the show and being, will- being willing to take a little bit of a deep dive into uh, the topic of prospects. You wrote something which I'm having a hard time. Here it is. The risk of depending on rookies. This is in the Jim Bowden uh, section. This is written by you. 2019 MLB Draft Guide, The Risk of Depending on Rookies. I was absolutely stunned uh, at looking at the numbers you compiled. And I don't know, maybe you write this same column every year and just change what the body of it is to meet what the preceding year was like. But, boy, if you overemphasize getting rookies, um, you could be barking up the wrong tree, couldn't you? Uh, yeah, I, I've written it. This is the second year that I've written it. Um, I do simply just shift the numbers down a year and then compile the numbers for the previous class of rookies. Um, and, you know, some last year there was a little bit of a different take. This year, you know, the take is, that depending on them is pretty much a major crapshoot. Yes, yeah. there are the headline grabbing rookies on on you know both hitting and pitching in you know especially Walker Bueller for for pitchers, and then you have guys like Ronald Acuna and Glaber Torres and Miguel Andujar and Juan Soto, um, who all highlight the hitting side of things. But what people don't realize is there was like 75 rookie hitters that came up, and those are the only four that anybody knows. So you're talking about a success rate of less than 10%. It's pretty hard to bank on those guys. I mean, you uh, you you wrote down, the you put a chart together here, and it's got the past six years. But last year, the average, now this includes, right? This Does this include... Acuna's numbers and Andohar and Torres, yep. including those guys, the average number of at-bats by a rookie last year was 221. The runs scored 28, the home runs 7, the RBIs 27, the stolen bases 3, and the batting average 251. Now, again, 
as you point out, there are outliers there, but those are pretty mind-blowing numbers that most of the time with a rookie, it's a real crapshoot. Yeah, and uh, if you go a little further, there's a comparison between 2018 rookies and qualified hitters. And a qualified hitter, define a qualified hitter for our audience and for me. So qualified hitters using MLB.com's definition is a player has to accumulate 3.1 at-bats per team game played. Right. So if a team plays 162 games in the season, multiply that number by 3.1, you get somewhere around, what, about 550, Mm -hmm. 500 at-bats? Yep. Somewhere in there. Um, That defines a qualified hitter. So there were 140 qualified hitters last year, and this includes those four guys that that I mentioned in, in Acuna and Soto and Torres and Andujar. The average uh, for qualified hitters was 538 at-bats, 21 homers, 77 runs, 73 RBIs, 10 steals, and a two sixty six average. Right. So a rookie is giving you roughly a third of all of those stats. Right. And a lower batting average compared to 266 to 251. And if you go on base percentage, because a lot of us play in on base leagues, qualified hitter averaged a 339 on base and a rookie averages a 316. 316. Those are huge differences. You know, I always seem to, and I am a sad, I'm a sort of a sad sack fantasy baseball player. I mean, I think if you talk to me, you'll say, boy, that guy knows baseball pretty well. But routinely, my teams seem to have both bad luck and bad timing. And by that, I'm looking at Chance Cisco. He's got four home runs in four games in the, pre- in the exhibition season. I drafted him for $6 last year as a rookie. And I got the performance I got from him last year. Somebody will probably get him this year for 8 or $9. But... Probably the second year in, the pressure's off a little bit in some ways. Um, it's really hard to time when to, to take a guy that you've had your eye on for a while and say, boy, this guy can hit. There's a uh, question, yeah, there's a question I mean, in there somewhere. <clears throat> I'm sorry, I didn't hear the... Uh, there, I said there was question. a question in there somewhere. It was more of a statement, but I seem to always have trouble timing when is the right time to get a young hitter? Yeah, I have that problem, too. Uh, last year, I drafted a couple of guys that I thought would have big years because they all of a sudden got playing time, and now they get to show off the skills they had shown in the minors, and so I got them, and then they fell flat. So, you know, Chan Cisco is a great example because he's been a top Orioles prospect for seems like three or four years yeah. now. Um, he was the heir apparent to Matt Wieters. And his bat just hasn't come around yet. There's still chant, and, you know, there's still to play on his first name, a chance that it comes around. Um, but he's having a little bit of trouble showing that. Now, I don't know who he hit the home runs off of in spring yeah. training so that, far. That's always, he, yeah, that's always a lot <clears throat> Um, it could be he's hitting them off a triple A guys, but you know he's in a pretty good ballpark. So he's, he's 
and you should have a bat that plays there. So, so I understand now pretty clearly the difference between qualified hitters and rookies. Uh, you're a little younger than I am, a good bit younger than I am, and there used to be an old expression about somebody having the sophomore jinx. Now, that was somebody that who had had a, a terrific year right out of the gate. That reduplicating or duplicating that uh, was sometimes tougher. A guy like Andujar, Torres, are there studies like this as to what the regression could be? Uh, because I guess you get to the point if Torres and Andujar and Acuna are truly future Hall of Famers, they'll probably miss that regression. But if they're just good major league players, there's a good chance that they could drop significantly this year, isn't there? Yeah, so the sophomore slump or sophomore jinx is a thing. It does exist. It hasn't been made up. There is years and years and years of evidence that guys in their second year don't typically perform nearly as well as they did when they first came up. Now, a couple of things with this. One, when they first come up, they want to prove something because they're getting the call of the big leagues, which every kid dreams about, and they want to, you know, show what they can do. And secondly, nobody has tape on them. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah, there's tape in the upper levels of the minor leagues, but it's really hard to judge what they can and can't do from that tape because the pitchers aren't throwing breaking stuff like they do in the majors, and they're not even throwing fastballs like they do in the majors. So it's kind of hard to tell exactly where the holes in their swings are. But by the time they get to the second year, everybody in the major leagues has seen them. There's tape on exactly what they do, and pitchers can adjust. And then it's up to the hitters to adjust off the pitchers. That's why it's called a game of adjustment. Mm-hmm. But guys with very good hit tools... And again, not to harp on these four guys, but they're the ones that have this hit tool, Acuna and uh, Soto and Andujar and Torres. They have very good hit tools, and they've done basically the same thing every year in the minor leagues. Now they've carried that to the major leagues. Those guys, I do not expect to see regression Mm -hmm. from. In fact, Acuna may actually put up a better year this year than he did last year. If you look at what he was pacing in the second half after he came back from that injury in the All-Star break, he was on pace for a 300 season, 100 RBI, 100 run, 40 homer, and 30 steal season. Now, is he going to do that? Probably not. But I think his overall season will be a better year than it was last year that saw him win the NL Rookie of the Year award. Soto is still only 20 years old. It was absolutely amazing last year at 19 and and maybe part of the season at 20 to have an on-base percentage flirting with or over 400. Astounding. Yeah, I mean, he was, was, as a Nats fan, it was remarkable to watch. And keep in mind, he wasn't even supposed to come up last year. There was no reason to call him up because he was in high A when they called him up. The reason they had to call him up was because everybody in their outfield got injured and Victor Robles was injured. Otherwise, Robles would have been the call up mm-hmm. instead of Soto. So they had to go to their next best guy 
And it turned out to work out pretty well for him because he almost won NL Rookie of the Year. But he has the patience not to swing at bad pitches and not to get out of what he does. So um, I expect him to have a very similar year. Now, the loss of Bryce Harper may affect that a little bit because he might feel more pressure, but mm-hmm. there's, there's pretty good bats around him in that lineup in Rendon and if Trey Turner stays healthy and if Adam Eaton stays healthy and if Zimmerman, Zimmerman stays, stays healthy. healthy right. and so he, he can have some help, but I expect those, you know, those four guys to all have pretty similar years to what they did last year. Hey, before, and we're talking with Matthew Zells uh, with Fantasy Alarm, and we're looking at some prospects for fantasy baseball. Uh, let me give you five names, and then what I'd like you to do is maybe give me five more um, significant rookies for this year. Maybe not day one, but at some point in the season. Forrest Whitley, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Eloy Jimenez, Tristan McKenzie, Bo Bichette. Uh, all of them will start in the minor leagues this year, but all of them could play some pivotal roles in, in, in helping their major league clubs this year. Give me five to seven more young players that are, are kind of on the tip of your tongue uh, for our audience to study. Um, yeah, so that's a pretty good list of guys. Uh, Vlad Jr. is going to come up the fastest of that list. Sure. Um, I expect him to only be down for the 20-whatever days it'll take him to not accrue a full year of service this year so the Blue Jays get an extra year of control on him. Um, Forrest Whitley is an impressive guy, but if you want a a pitcher in the Astros stable of pitchers who's still a rookie, a guy to keep your eye out for is Josh James. He was up last year. He pitched in the majors last year and was uh, part of their bullpen in their playoff run, but he did not accrue enough innings to count, to no longer count as a uh, prospect. Now, let me just throw so, in, let me just throw in, Matt, have you been aware that he got hurt? Yeah. Okay. He, and, he did and, get hurt, but it shouldn't, I don't, it does not sound like a terribly major thing. Right. They expect him back at some point in the next uh, month or two. Right. Um, it may hurt his stock in terms of starting rotation. Yep. But he could be like Josh Hader for the Astros. Okay. And everybody's in love with Josh Hader this year. He's right. been flying off draft boards way sooner than I expected a guy who won't get that many saves to go. But the strikeouts are there. Um couple of guys, a couple other pitchers to keep your eye out on um, is in the Padres really stacked farm system. One guy is Logan Allen, who's a lefty who pitched to AAA last year and looks to be quite ready for the majors this year, and we all know that San Diego could use pitching help right. uh, in that rotation. And um, oh, I just blanked on his name. There's another pitcher. He pitched the other night for the Padres and set the world on fire with what he was doing. Right. Um, I can't believe I forgot his name. 
You, should, um, you shouldn't be having that trouble. Year, At your age, you shouldn't be having that trouble with memory. <laughs> well, I have so many guys stacked up in my head. It, it, they all try to get out at one time. Do you remember your wife's name? Do you usually remember her uh, name? Chris Paddock. Okay, Chris Paddock. Yeah, he had a big game. Chris right. Paddock, who pitched, who started in a spring training game for the Padres a couple of nights ago. Last year, now granted this is at AA, he right. hasn't pitched at AAA yet, but last year he had 120-something strikeouts and only eight walks. And so that kind of control is just ridiculous. Uh, he will be up at some point this year, probably more like June. So what is that, three guys? That's three. Let me, let me ask you a different one different question because we're, run, we're running a tiny bit late, and I hope you'll come on with me again before uh, fantasy drafts all take place, maybe in two or three weeks, all right? But let me ask you, guys that are coming back from Tommy John surgery, that you know that they missed all of 18. Is there any kind of data that you've accomplished? And I'm talking about people like Michael Pineda, Drew Smiley, and it seems like they're scattered around the draft board. Michael Fulmer is not a TJ surgery, but he has shoulder surgery. Um, is there any way, uh, any strategy on if you should take those guys, if should if you should miss them like the plague, uh, or you need to look at their minor their preseason stats. Uh, give me some thoughts on that. Um, so let me put it this way: I'm much more likely to take a Tommy John guy than a shoulder guy. Okay. Because for some reason, like a while back, we could figure out shoulder problems, but couldn't figure out elbow problems. Mm-hmm. And now it's switched. Now the elbow isn't a problem, but shoulders cause all the problems in the world. So I'm going to avoid guys with shoulder injuries like Michael Fulmer and uh, a couple other guys coming back from Don't thoracic t- outlet, uh, that, like Julio Urias. Yeah, those are that's a tough surgery um, to come back. But guys from. like um, you know, and Alex Reyes, I'm going to kind of avoid because yeah. he's two years in a row he's been injured and how, and now he doesn't really have a defined role. How about Carlos? How, Carl, how about Carlos Rodon? who I have for this year. Uh, I took him late last year in the ultra round, and he came back and pitched fairly well. He's a year and a half removed from that surgery. Yeah, Rodon should be fine because okay. um, a year and a half at that point, it's it's pretty well uh, behind him. He's already gotten innings under his belt. And typically speaking, guys that come back from Tommy John also add a couple of ticks to their fastball. Right. They, you know, the... The ligament is stronger. It can snap a little better. They get a little bit more speed. Um, but it also depends on the organization that they're with. Perfect example is Brent Honeywell, who went down last spring with a torn UCL and already had the surgery. It's been a year. Mm-hmm. But the Rays are known to slow play pitchers. Even when they're healthy, they slow play pitchers. So Honeywell even though he should be back pitching in about May, probably won't come up to the majors until at least August. Okay. So if you're going to take him, it's got to be really late in the draft, and it's got to be knowing you're probably only getting a couple of months from him. So that's the key thing with Tommy John, is you have to know that it's going to be a much smaller amount of help that you're getting from these guys, because typically their innings loads are vastly reduced for the first 
uh, year and a half All right. after the surgery. Matt Zells, Matthew Zells of Fantasy Alarm. He's been our guest. Uh, can I get you back on in two or three weeks before all the drafts? Sure thing. All right. I really appreciate it. Enjoy your day. You as well. All right. There you go, Matthew Zells. Very informative stuff there. We're going to make our connections right now with uh, Mr. Michael Janowski. And Mike, uh, again, a former sports writer with the Baltimore Sun, Miami Herald, New York Times, finished up his professional writing career um, as a news side reporter uh, with the New York Times. And is our phone broken? It's not giving it? Okay. All right. Uh, he will join us in just a minute. He's just written a piece for Press Box, and he'll periodically send me something and say, if you guys want to run this, and uh, we liked it, and it was about sort of how how you get used to rooting for the 2019 Baltimore Orioles after what we've been through the past couple of years here uh, and how tough that is uh, and how different it is. And joining us right now is, uh, I'm glad I can say this now after knowing him for a couple of years, an old friend, Michael Janowski. And I'm not talking about the years on the calendar, I'm talking about the years we've known each other now. Michael, how are you, my friend? How are you? Good to talk to you. Good to talk to you. So you came up with this idea, and periodically you'll throw something at us and say, hey, if you guys want to run this, uh, I was just thinking of it. My wife said I should write something about it. It's going to be vastly different rooting and following the Baltimore Orioles of 2019 than it's been since, say, 2012 or 13? Well, I mean, it's a, it's, it looks, in, on one hand, it's a completely different organization. Yep. But on the other, I, you know, the other day I looked at the 40-man, and this is really Dan Duquette's major league team. Mm-hmm. I think that my, by my last count was there are either – 34 or 35 of the 40 mm-hmm. that preceded the current regime. So, barring more moves prior to opening day, this is this is basically the the uh, uh, team left over from last year. And probably as the season goes on, guys will come and go, and and in the years to come, more and more the more and more guys obtained by the new regime will take over. So, I mean, if you look around, we know all these guys, basically, with the, with the exception of the, the couple of Rule 5 guys and maybe a few guys at the, in the bullpen, but we know all these guys. You know, what's interesting to me is, and what I'm very excited to, to, to watch up close this year, is I watched the Houston Astros not just rebuild in the five, six years prior to their winning the World Series, the years that Jeff Lunau was there with Mike Elias and Sig Meidel. But then I watched them as they got closer to, to really being championship caliber. They acquired Justin Verlander, and they made Justin Verlander better. They acquired Garrett Cole last year and took a guy who struck out eight batters per nine innings taught him a couple new tricks or maybe old tricks, and he's striking out 12 batters. They acquire Ryan Presley from the Minnesota Twins, who was not a guy held in high esteem, and they saw something in him that made him better. Now, I'm not suggesting that all of a sudden this is going to be like the movie It Happens Every Spring, and uh, we're suddenly going to have uh, supernatural powers uh, over our team, but I'm interested to see if they can make some of these guys better 
through the use of analytical data. Does that interest well, I mean, you at all? Hope, yeah. I'm sorry, that, that's the hope, isn't it? I mean, yep. and, and that's the reason we think these guys are brought in, because they have different parameters uh, through which they, they evaluate people. I think to, your, to your, the first part, your first point was that you play, you know, a good team makes uh, a, a mediocre player better. I, my favorite example of this was, I don't know how many listeners will even remember this, but way back in the day when the New York Knicks were on the verge of being okay, they traded Butch Comives and Walt Bellamy to Detroit for Dave DeBusher. I remember that trade very now, well. Now, you get the Comives and, and Bellamy were good, mm-hmm. and it was a two-for-one trade, but DeBusher was great. Right. So you bring in the, that one piece that just meshes perfectly with what you have, and, and then they became a championship team. I, I think with baseball, it's probably a little different because there, there are a thousand more variables that, that go into place you know, in any inning, in any game. And I, I think, but I think we're a long way from that. And I, what you've got to hope for is that whichever 25 become the major league team to start the season, that they're better than we think they are or they have been, which really starts the progress forward. Because if, if, if talent evaluators have made educated guesses and, and uh, analyses of these guys and they turn out to be wrong or they miss something, that could only elongate the process. And, and good Lord, you can imagine how many years it's going to be before the team is really a contender again. We're talking with Michael Janowski. He wrote sports for the Baltimore Sun, Miami Herald, New York Times. Finished up his writing, brilliant writing career on the news side of things at the New York Times. He lives in Los Angeles now and uh, for the past five or six years has watched just about every Oriole game that he can get his, his eyes <laughs> yeah. on. Do you think that will be the same this summer? Are there things that interest you about this team, or do you think yeah, it'll be Yeah, I mean, like, like I've, I've watched – I've watched two spring training games, um, and you see flashes. Like, I watched um, Diaz hit a home run. Right. And I watched his batting stance and his swing, and I'm thinking, wow, that guy's a player. Mm-hmm. And he may not go north with the team, but I, there's just something about him that's intriguing. He's a strong kid. Uh, maybe he becomes, you know, by some point in the season, one of the starting outfielders. It, that's that's really an optimistic mm-hmm. expectation. But but you know, I like that. And when I was watching, every time he, I was watching, I made sure I was in front of the TV when he was at bat because I wanted to see him. On the other hand, I have to say, um, and maybe some of your listeners will agree. I'm really skeptical about Chris Davis having any kind of turnaround. I mean, I know he's talked about yep. doing this and that, and he's slimmer, and and he's shortened his swing and all that. But, boy, he sure didn't look much different to me from my untrained eye. I mean, I I don't know. He's sort of like the, he's sc- the he's scary. anchor, and I don't mean it in a good way. Yeah. Uh, of that starting nine and you know they're really stuck with him until i don't know what is it two or three more years well they've got four more years on his contract so right. i would think that th- that he will be on the team this year um you know if he's as bad as you are seeing and it's quite possible he is 
I wrote that is there a way for the Orioles to refine 60% of what he was because the notion that all of a sudden Damari's going to wake up and be 53 homers, 118 RBIs, uh, that's that's really more than a pipe dream. But if he's as bad as we see the potential, I think there comes a point where he and the team kind of they, they have a, some type of a buyout where maybe – they are yeah. able to defer more money or something. Uh, what worries me is that you know everybody is was is has emblazoned in their brains those great years when he was leading the league in home runs. Yeah, but my fear is that with the shifts and the way they pitch him, he's he's not even hitting doubles. Right. I mean, and the he's team a ho- has really he's a home become... run. He's a home run, a strikeout, or a ground ball to second base. Yeah. Yeah. It, well, because of, mostly because of the shift, and he walks a few times, and yeah. that's because pitchers haven't figured out that you might as well just challenge him and see what he can do, which right. isn't very much. But you know, the, one of the more intriguing things about all these young guys, especially guys like uh, Martin and um, I don't know a few other guys, is that we've become a scratch him out kind of team, which is in in some ways is more fun to watch. Yeah. They'll steal bases. I, you know, one guy has two triples already. You know, Orioles never hit triples. Right. <laughs> but that's that's kind of a, a more fun offense to watch. So yeah, you know, I I guess my my wife will will win the argument maybe you know five or ten percent more times this summer. But I, um, I hear that my plan still is to, uh, to uh, be in front of the TV. One last question for you, Michael. Is they've got three legitimate major league starters. Now, none of the three had a great season last year. They each showed snippets of, of being pretty good. But Cobb, Bundy, and Kashner, isn't it ironic that while you're rooting for your players to do well, those three players, the better they do, I think it increases their chances they won't finish the season with the team. Oh, yeah, without question. Because I just don't think, um, I just think the the way this uh, the the new front office sees this is let let's find as many great young prospects yep. as possible. Yep. And these guys aren't going to take you anywhere anyway. They're just going to you know pitch five or six innings a night. So let let's find a great leadoff hitter who can play right field, or let's find you know a close a potential closer or or something but yeah i agree with you i i i don't think they're going to be here the whole season and and maybe some of these young guys blossom into uh, uh terrific starting pitchers i mean i think there's there's renewed optimism on hunter harvey now right and um, right. maybe some of these other guys that nobody's really thinking about blossoms i mean who knows i mean this isn't going to be a year for team success, it'll be a year for individual success, and then and then start plugging holes. Hey, I got to ask you a Los Angeles question, and I know you're yeah. not. I know you're not a Dodger fan, but before we let you, well, go, it's a team I can't watch on television. I know that is. I, I drive <laughs> it's too around. Expensive to go. I drive around sometimes, and I just I can't understand how the commissioner, ha- even if he even if it doesn't even involve the Dodger contract how that's not part of some new basic agreement 
that teams can't sign away half of their viewing audience in well, their television. Out here, it's even, it's even more than that. I, know. About, I think what I've seen is two-thirds of people with TVs cannot watch the Dodgers. That, that's just mind-blowing. But here's my I question. I know, and they're sacrificing their next generation of fans. I know. But here's my question. Were you shocked that they really never jumped into the Bryce Harper uh you know, sweepstakes. Mm-hmm. Well, they, it depends. It depends how much you take them at their word. I mean, there, there was, there were reports out here that they were in it to the end, that they would go ten years, and I don't know, three hundred, maybe, maybe more. And I thought, you know, the sense of it is, and and I mean, you can argue this one way or another. The argument here for signing him was that, you know, the last two years they came up just short of the World Series, right? They yeah. got to the World Series and lost. And then this was the one player who would take them over the top. Well, that's never guaranteed. I mean, so are you going to spend $30 million a year to win one more game, basically, is what you're asking. Yeah. Because they've won the National League West. Six straight times. I think it's six, six years in six a row. Six straight times, yeah. And uh, so you're paying $30 million on the chance that you can win one more game. Yeah. Is that worth it? Is that economically uh, well, uh, well, where I saw it get interesting, it seemed like they were not even talked about until Kershaw's shoulder was problematic and until Machado came into the division. I think they woke up and said, you know what, we ought to take a shot. But all I heard, Michael, was that they were offering a huge average annual salary of like $40 million but over for a three, shorter but period. three or four years. That's what yeah. I heard. Well, and then they were obviously not interested in that. Yeah. All right, um, we will grab you um, maybe a month in and see how you're enjoying the 2019 right. Orioles. Thank I you. love talking to you. Thank you for your contribution. Say hello to your lovely wife for me, and uh, All right, we'll talk soon, okay? Take care. Thanks so much. All right, there he is, Michael Janowski, uh, former sports writer of the Baltimore Sun, Miami Herald, New York Times, and now retired. Well, he's not really retired. He lives in Los Angeles and works for a – Jewish publication out there. He's the uh, managing editor, at least the last time I talked to him. All right, right now I'm going to talk to you a little bit about Big Bats. That's right. Let's talk about Ken Island's original sports bar located at 216 St. Clair Place in Stevensville, Maryland. On the way down or back to and from the Eastern Shore, there's no place better to stop, relax, and eat. Great place to watch the O's and Nats as the season unfolds. The NCAA tournament, NCAA lacrosse, the Wizards, the Caps, and you can sample the best bar grub around. Sandwiches, salads, soups, and subs. And again, I always like to give the directions. If you're going down the Eastern Shore, you go across the Bay Bridge. First exit after the bridge is Stevensville. You come up to the stop sign or the red light. Make a left. Go down a quarter of a mile. On the right-hand side, it's Big Bats, and it is the only restaurant I know of where you can sit on a base. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. 
Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. One-third of crash fatalities in Maryland are due to impaired driving. Don't be a statistic. Be legendary. What does it mean to be legendary? It means always making a plan to choose a sober driver or be one. Never drinking, then getting behind the wheel. Making sure to get a ride for yourself and your friends if needed. Always speaking up and taking the keys from an impaired driver. Remember, sober drivers save lives. This safety message is brought to you by the Maryland Department of Transportation. Visit BeLegendaryMD.com. Experience the thrill of pulse-pounding thoroughbred racing at the Maryland Jockey Club at Laurel Park. Watch world-class racing live or follow coast-to-coast sports on massive LED screens. Don't miss a minute of the action. Join us for live racing Thursday through Sunday. You'll be glad you did. Post time, 1230 p.m. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. And we are back on the Battle Round, live from the live casino and hotel studios. Joining us right now is an old friend, the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds, and that is Matt Slatus. Matt, how are you? Good morning, Stan. I'm good. How are you? I just want to know, how old is Jonah now? Jonah is uh, 18 months. He's, he's 15 months. I, I just left his music class an hour ago, and I'm looking at him through the window here at Belvedere Square. Is he, is he playing already? Playing a he, grand piano or something like that? Uh, I, I wish he was a, a lefty, but <laughs> I, uh, you know, I think he's a righty with, unfortunately, not a whole lot of athletic talent, but that can change. Yeah. Hey, I wanted to have you on. We've had a great relationship over the past few years since you came into town. We've had a great relationship with the Ironbirds per- preceding that. This is your third full season, or is it four already? No, I'm going into year three, uh, yeah, third when... full season with the Ironbirds, and my, my 18th season in baseball. All right. Now, had you ever seen a season uh, with so much rain as you did in 2018? And how sort of depressing is that? Because you got no control. You control so many things in marketing and managing a team the way you do, but you can't control that. Yeah, you know, I... I sat and watched that 2018 season and I felt like Phil Rizzuto. I just kept going back and saying, holy cow. <laughs> we, yeah, we, we were rained out at home up in Hartford County about 20% of our games last year. So wow. if we can keep our rain outs to two or less this year, I'll, I'll be doing a backflip. That'll be a home run. That is absolutely unbelievable because I know, first of all, you don't have the whole six months of a base or five months of a minor league baseball season. You essentially have to have like two and a half months, and to have right. that much rain, it just had. I felt for you. I really did. Yeah, you know, we we play a thirty-eight game schedule sandwiched into about eighty days, so it, it's tough on the players when they're they're constantly being slowed down by rain. It's tough on the player development side, uh, and then on the business side of minor league baseball, obviously. We have a very small window to, to make our revenues and cover our operating costs, and it's very challenging in the short-season leagues, for sure. Let's talk a little bit about some exciting things for 2019. You've got some theme, night, theme nights coming up. Tell us a little bit about Harry Potter night, Star Wars night, and Winter Wonderland 
including some real snow. For sure. So with my, my early life, my background as a, a professional figure skater, uh, working <laughs> with some skating buddies, uh, you don't hear that often. You don't hear a, a baseball GM tell you he, he was also in Disney on Ice. Okay. So we're, uh, we're bringing in professional figure skaters who are going to skate atop both dugouts on synthetic ice, snowball fights. We're going to truck in about two tons of snow in the middle of July, Saturday night, July 13th. It's going to be a blast. You know, and Star Wars Night, Star Wars Night at Lighthouse Field is sold out every year. We bring in tens of characters and performers. We do a great fireworks display, Harford County's best fireworks to Star Wars music. Uh, and new this year, we're working, believe it or not, I'm not a Harry Potter guy, but we're working with the largest Harry Potter fan club in the United States. I think they're called MuggleNet, they tell me. Um, these guys are bringing out about 100 different Harry Potter costume characters, and it's going to be a fun night. We're playing Quidditch on the field. Everything the kids think of when they read those Harry Potter books is coming to life at the ballpark this summer. When and is we're going that? To cap the night off with great fireworks. When is that night? So it's going to be in mid-July, and we are going to announce our full promotional schedule this coming April. So just a few weeks away, just before single-game tickets go on sale. All right. Now, the Aberdeens are my favorite team in the Atlantic League, but I've got to ask you, are the Steam Crabs uh, going to return this year? So the Steam Crabs are returning. And believe it or not, next Saturday is March 9th, serves as National Crab Day. And we've got a, a holiday for every, every crustacean and food you can think of these days. So on National Crab Day, Saturday, March 9th, we're going to have a huge steamed crabs announcement, and we're going to roll out a special ticket package with it as well. So I'd ask our fans to visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. Um, next Saturday, it's it's going to be pretty cool, and I don't think they're going to want to miss it. Now, on the field, it's not often we ask you about the manager, but Kevin Bradshaw was the manager in 2017, and he had some injury issues last year. He's back this year, but most interesting to me is Tom Eller, the club's new batting coach, uh, was the former head coach at Harford Community College. Can you tell us a little bit about why the club would have reached out to him and brought him in as part of Kevin Bradshaw's staff. Sure. So, you know, Eller's a really young guy, um, lived in Hartford County, lived up in that area for a long time, has had a ton of tremendous success up at Hartford Community College. And, you know, as Michael Elias has come in and taken over the minor league operation for the Orioles, we've seen a lot of significant change. Um, one is obviously the, the analytic side and, and the philosophy behind hitting and pitching and defense. Tom comes in with a a really strong background, nationally known as a guy uh, who focuses on ball trajectory, who focuses on exactly what the Orioles are looking for. So I think that, you know, it was, it was luck of the draw that they found a guy right in the backyard for the Ironbirds. It's going to be exciting to have a local guy in our market. Um, but more importantly, we're starting to see the new direction that the club is taking. We're starting to see what the Orioles are doing. And I think Tom's going to be a great addition to our staff because he's really going to start to impart that new Orioles philosophy on our youngest players right at day one, right after they're drafted and signed and get up to their first professional contract. How do you think Mike found Tom Eller, or Sig may have found him? How do you think they found him? You know, I've been reading about Tom and Baseball America for the last year or so. Really? He's got a, a okay. really revolutionary hitting philosophy. Um, it's just, uh, it's, it's surprising that he was back in, you know, he's in, right in our backyard, a local guy. It's, you rarely see a, a junior college coach jump right to pro ball but I think it's going to be a successful experiment. And I think that he's young enough, he's aggressive, that he's really going to be able to connect to some of our young players. Fascinating, fascinating. Now, single-game tickets are on sale in early May, but unique plans are available now. 
Fans should visit ironbirdsbaseball.com. Tell us a little bit about what's available now. So my my favorite ticket plan is our five-game ticket plan. It's only $50 per seat, so $10 per game. Right. For all of our biggest games. So those are fireworks games, they're Saturday night games, they're Harry Potter night. Um, Five games, $50. The coolest part about all of our plans this year, though, is in addition to your Ironbirds game, you actually get a ticket to an Orioles Yankee game downtown at Camden Yards. Really, that's so, a very that's a very unique uh, uh, perk there. I like that. Think about it this way, Stan: you do five games, fifty bucks. You get a six game, an Orioles Yankee game, free of charge. And when we get down to Oriole Park that night, Cal's actually going to be there to hang out with our fans and talk to them about the 2019 season as well. That's really pretty cool. Very, very cool. Um, how excited is, is anything else new at the ballpark? And, and remind me, because I can't remember, do you still serve steamed crabs at the ballpark? Of course we do. That's okay. something that is just so important to Cal and Bill, that okay. a little bit of taste of the Chesapeake is there. So our fans can come out on Sundays. We always offer an all-you-can-eat crab feast. It comes with a full barbecue menu as well. And it's really one of baseball's hidden gems. The opportunity to sit back, grab an ice-cold beer, crack crabs while watching a ball game. As far as I know, and I've seen a lot of baseball, you can't do that anywhere else. Yeah. So we're continuing with some of our new food and beverage items. We're continuing with the oink clock moo, the hot dog topped with pulled pork and a chicken finger and onion rings and cheese sauce. You get that full minor league baseball experience, uh, and it's just bigger and better than it's been in the past. All right, I got a great idea for you this year. Opening game, you get Marty Bass... Tom Tasselmeyer and whoever does the weather on the other stations, you get them to throw the first pitch out this year. You know, that is a great idea. Sometimes you, you hear the greatest ideas from the craziest places, and I'll tell you what, I'm going to do it. I don't I, know if I'm going to do it opening night because we're going to celebrate the 200th right. anniversary of the Army, yep. but I will do that in the first couple games this year. I think we need to break a jinx. You, you got to. You got to. I'll tell you, it's a funny story. My old boss, you'd go in and you say, I got a great idea. He goes, no, you have an idea. I'll decide whether it's great or not. Uh, I like it. Hey, the, the fortunate thing in my office is I'm the boss. All right. Hey, I'll give you a call this week. I got another idea percolating in my head. I really appreciate I, your coming on, Matt, and we'll have you as we get closer to the season, Okay. Sounds great. I look forward to it. Thanks, Dan. All right. Take care. There's Matt Slatus, our friend who's the general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. you gotta, you got to figure a way to break the jinx, you know, and bring in the weather people in. Bob Turk, Marty Bass, Tom Tasselmeyer, uh, Wyatt over at Channel 2. Um, you get, you gotta, you gotta think that you gotta think that way. Either that, or you bring in like some American Indians to do a rain dance or something like that. All right. Joining us in just a moment is going to be Rick White. Rick White is the president of the, uh, Atlantic league. Uh, he took over from an old friend of, uh, mine and an older friend of Adam Gladstone's. And that is uh, the late Joe Klein who passed away. Uh, and Rick White has some exciting stuff to talk about uh, in this uh, upcoming independent league. And joining us right now from out in, I believe it's Denver, Colorado, is Rick White. Rick, how are you? 
I'm very well. How are you today? Good, Rick. And I want to make sure I got the facts straight because Adam introduced us via text, and I really appreciate this is my third anniversary doing this particular show, and Adam was my first co-host on the show for the first four or five months uh, before he realized he wasn't going to get rich doing the show. <laughs> you, you are the president of the Atlantic League, the Independent League. Are, is this your second season now? You took Joe, Joe Klein's place, correct? Well, first of all, Stan, thanks for having me on the show, and uh, you're in good company when, we, when you're with Mr. Gladstone, but... Uh, uh, I've been president of the league now for over five years. I worked alongside Joe for several years, and of course, as you know, he he passed away very sad, uh, yep. unexpectedly yep. Uh, here about a year and a half ago. Very sad time for everybody in the league. Um, <clears throat> but I've, I've been the president now for a number I, of years. I apologize. I didn't realize it had been that long. Now, do you know the general manager of all your teams. We just finished up an interview with Matt Slatus, general manager of the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Uh, I don't know Matt, but um, that's not that's not a surprise because we, we're in different leagues and, and uh, um, you know, that is what it is. But uh, I'm always happy and excited when I get a chance to meet anybody in, in professional baseball. It's a dedicated crew of folks. All right, now you've got eight cities in the Atlantic League. Give me those cities so I don't make that same mistake a second No time. problem at all, Stan. Uh, New Britain, Connecticut. Right. Central Islip on Long Island in New York. The Somerset Patriots in Bridgewater Township, New Jersey. Lancaster, uh, Pennsylvania, Barnstormers. York, Pennsylvania, Revolution. The Southern Maryland Blue Crabs in Waldorf, Maryland, and starting out this year, the new High Point North Carolina Rockers, and uh, at the conclusion of the list is the Sugarland Texas Skeeters. Wow, Sugarland Express! So that uh, your teams have to travel. That's a that's an expensive trip, I would imagine, for those teams. It it absolutely is, and, and I think it's testimony to our teams and to the Skeeters specifically that uh, they want to bring our brand of baseball to Texas. Uh, as you can imagine, that is a place where we have a number of conversations regarding future expansion going on. Yeah. High Point, you said it's a new team there. They're called the Rockers. That's where all the furniture's built, right? That's High right. Point, North Carolina? There's, yes, sir. There There is a long legacy of furniture and hosiery manufacturing in that region. And uh, High Point is home to the semi-annual furniture marts, which uh, are tremendous economic engines for that region of North Carolina. So they wanted to pay homage to to that legacy when they selected their team name. All right. Now, your teams, what... What length of schedule do they play? We play a full 140-game season. We'll start here late in April, and we will continue through mid-September. All right. Now, you have some pretty historic news, and I want to be careful not to, uh, you know, step out above anything that's public right now. But Major League Baseball and the Atlantic League have signed a three-year contract to work together. Can you talk a little bit about what the purpose of that joint venture is going to be now? I'm delighted to. Um, We indeed have signed a joint partnership agreement, which provides the opportunity for Major League Baseball 
to test rules and equipment initiatives over the next three Atlantic League seasons. Uh, those initiatives are highly considered. They've been thoroughly vetted and researched, and Major League Baseball was looking for the appropriate level mm-hmm. and skill of ball players over the course of a full season as opposed to a short season to vet those those ideas. There is no guarantee that they will ever reach the major leagues, mm-hmm. but those initiatives are going to be subject to test. And then the results of those tests, which will be owned by Major League Baseball, uh, will be shared uh, internally with their clubs, ultimately discussed with the Players Association, and someday we may see them at the major league level. Now, one of the one of the things I believe, and again, you you correct me when I'm wrong. You've done a good job so far because I didn't get off to a great start with you. But uh, the 60 feet six inch distance between home plate and the pitching rubber, uh, there's talk that one of these changes is going to be to lengthen that by maybe three to five inches. What is what is the current uh, information you can give us on that. I'm not at liberty to talk about any specific okay. initiative. Uh, we have published a couple of items that I think people will be interested in, um, especially the idea that we will be working uh, with a TrackMan radar advanced analytics systems uh, that is exactly that which is in the in the ballparks of uh, major league clubs but we will hear over the next oh probably seven to ten days actually release a list of the initiatives that we are going to trial for this season i should add stan that this is organic um, if the um, trials themselves don't point in a direction that Major League wants to continue in, they have the opportunity to apprise us of that, and then we can make the decision as to whether or not to continue with those initiatives. So a rule change change could perhaps take place to end one of the experiments in the middle of the season? Yes. Okay, that's what I wanted. And we also both have the opportunity, and, and this will indeed happen in 2019, to uh, commence a test at the second half of the season so that the leagues have a chance to do A-B testing. So see what happens in the first half of the league and then compare that to what happens to the second half of the league's championship play. i got to ask you, as a baseball professional for a long time, and I know know you say you can't comment on specifically that that issue of the length of of the pitcher's mound to home plate, but wouldn't that, if, if, if Major League Baseball ended up deciding to do that in the next couple of years, wouldn't that dramatically change the high schools and colleges and what they'd have to do in reaction to that? I would expect so. Yeah. Uh, in, in my lifetime, regarding pitching per se, and Stan, I, I suspect this is probably something you recall, yeah. in the late 1960s, Due to the dominance of pitching, yep. uh, MLB actually reduced the height of the mound from 15 inches to 10 inches. Yep. And uh, my recollection of that 
is that it did not have necessarily a profound impact on the game, at least in the discussion of the game. But of course, there's much more media today than was available in those days. Well, what's most interesting but, about that is five years later, the American League still was having problems with runs, so they added the designated hitter in 73. Yes, sir, that's yeah. right. And in both of those occasions, both of those initiatives ultimately, to your point, filtered down to amateur play okay. um, and affected college, high school, community college, and all levels of professional baseball. So uh, getting back to your question, there are a number of pitching-related discussions going on right now amongst roughly the three dozen or so lists or items that have been listed that Major League Baseball wants to consider testing. They aren't going to test all of them, of course. Sure. Uh, and I doubt that we will test a majority of those here in this first season. But what I don't want to do is lend credence to erroneous information or create speculation that's uh, at this stage inappropriate. And, and I'll tell you a couple of reasons why. Number one, um, we are working very closely with Major League Baseball, and because of that, we need to respect the, their operating protocol. Sure. We don't want to talk about speculation when they may not have even discussed this with the Players Association. That's a big concern for the industry. Second, in fairness to players, coaches, and managers, we do not in any way want to mislead them mm -hmm. into surmising something's going to be the case when it may not happen at all. Okay. And then lastly, we're currently signing players. We're putting together our rosters and doing some interesting things that way. If we have a conversation with any player, we want to give them accurate, transparent uh, news as, as opposed to commenting on speculation. I, I think everybody kind of understands I, that. I understand that, and, yeah. I, and I apologize if I've gone too no, far. No, no, it's yeah. no apology. You can ask me anything. Uh, it's just sometimes I can't give you the answer I'd like to. I'm not going to ask you then the way I might have had that that conversation not just happen, but I'm just curious, Rick White, baseball professional, and again, I have great respect for the umpires. I really do. But one of the things that troubles me is I see Major League Baseball sort of really going and picking little things like well, we're going to cut the mound visits from six to five and then the next year to four. And I see the, the biggest impediment to speed a game and pace of play is human umpiring being unpredictable from one night to the next. And I'm a huge proponent and have been of electronic umpiring. I'm wondering what you, aside from what your league may embark upon, uh, how you feel about that possibility. Well, both as a former player, albeit not a very good one, um, <laughs> and as a league administrator, I can tell you that for every umpire, there's a different strike zone. Yeah. And we have world-class athletes in our league, and of course, even better athletes occupy the major league baseball fields. They are capable of adjusting to... Uh, individual strike zones, as long as the application of those is consistent. And that's the thing you always hear yep. uh, pitchers and catchers talk about, consistent strike zones. Putting that aside, it seems to me that if we can utilize technology in a way that creates a more fair 
field of play, that's something we ought to strongly consider. Yeah. And I, I would share with you, and, and again, Stan, you can draw, you and your listeners can draw your own conclusions. Once our track man systems are installed, regardless of Major League Baseball or not, if there were the capability of creating a consistent strike zone, mm-hmm. fair to each player, because you, know, yep. you have Jose Altuve and you have Aaron Judge, yep. uh, their strike zones are different, um, we would be very interested in deploying that and for our own purposes, testing that. I, um, you may recall a few years ago, we embarked on a pace of play initiative. Yes, you Where did. within a yep. half a season, we, without prompting, without anybody asking, we took our average nine-inning um, uh, time of play from three hours and one minute to two hours and 43 minutes. That's pretty remarkable. remarkable That's change pretty if remarkable. You think about half yep. a season. Yep. Because of that, everyone in professional baseball sat up and took notice. They looked at the time between uh, pitches with nobody on base. They looked at our intentional base, base on balls rule. They looked at, as you suggested before, mound visits and a number of other things that we did. We published those results transparently. We published those results happy if anybody wanted to look at them or to mimic them. We were very proud that Major League Baseball adopted our intentional base on balls rule. And so we think that we can be at the front end of constructive change with the game and not necessarily change the fundamentals, Mm -hmm. but provide fans a better experience. I just find it interesting, and I know the intent of video replay was not to take care of plays like I'm talking about, but right. a guy steals second base and he's safe, and then he, he, he slides over the bag by like a quarter of an inch. His momentum carries him. Now, we're, we're allowed to go back and replay that, and we want to be precise on whether a guy misses a bag by a quarter of an inch that his foot came off, but yet the strike zone is allowed to be different every single night. It just doesn't make a lot of sense to me. Touche. Yeah. A few years ago, uh, the Pacific Association out on the West Coast actually worked with a group out of Chicago called Stratcast or Statman to call electronic balls and strikes in two test games. Okay. There was a very interesting thing that occurred with that. Number one, the umpires did not feel as if they were uh, uninvolved because you still need a home plate umpire to talk about things like check swings and foul tips and interference and plays at the plate and so forth. No question about that. But second, it took away the grousing and, and debates that often take place around home plate with people in the dugout, or a pitcher, catcher, or hitter, uh, you know, criticizing the ball strike calls by the umpire. It's really hard to argue with a machine. Yeah. And again, as a league administrator and one who has to issue discipline to our players, if we ever could get to the point of where we had electronic balls and strikes, it's good for everybody. It's good for pitchers because there's predictability. It's good for hitters for the same reason. It moves the game along because you remove some of the arguing, but you also have players 
who are now going to be swinging the bat, putting more balls in play, as opposed to taking advantage of a subjective ball strike zone. So we, we see a lot of merit in that just on the face of it. Not to beat a dead horse because you and I are in agreement on this, but how many times have we seen, and I don't have clear-cut data of this, but I, one pitcher in mind is Kevin Gosman, formerly of the Orioles. I'd see him get a call go against him, and then I'd see the batter foul off six more pitches after that, get a hit, and lead to a big inning, whereas the inning might have ended, and I know this isn't precise, but it could have ended four minutes before, six minutes before, had that strike been called a strike three. That's I right. Saw it That's happen. right. And, and assuming it, it was a missed call, yep. and again, I don't, I don't want to ever assume an umpire is wrong. I, I think we have to assume they're right and to prove otherwise. Yep. But assuming it was a missed call, um, you've cost Gosman some money. It, it, you know, it, 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 in that illustration, it creates a damage and erodes his ERA, potentially uh, affects his one-loss performance and, and so forth. So, and, it, and it also affects, Rick, not to interrupt you, it affects, in other words, if we all agree that a pitcher has so many bullets in that arm, why should he, over the course of a season, have to throw an additional 90 or 100 pitches because five or six or ten, 10 or 12 strikes were missed. It's just... Agreed. Now, I'm compelled to say that, you know, the, 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 the common axiom is calls go against you and yep. calls go for you, yep. and they level out at the end of the year. However, why not get them right the first time if you have the ability to do that? I'm in, a, I'm in total agreement with you. Um, this TrackMan radar device, that is what would eventually... At some level, would it always would it be TrackMan that would end up being the electronic uh, home plate uh, ball or strike caller, or is there it, another device? TrackMan has the capability of determining balls and strikes in um, strike zones tailored to each individual hitter. If you, if you think about it, Stan, and this is the way it's been explained to us, uh, if you're looking at home plate, it's easy to establish inside and outside parameters mm-hmm. in terms of ball strikes. Sure. Then what you need to do is you need to think about height. And so uh, TrackMan has the capability, utilizing its ability to analyze a player's movement during his swing to establish a high strike zone and the bottom of the strike zone. Now, when you understand that, that means that uh, TrackMan's analytics can be conveyed instantaneously. So the biggest single challenge, once TrackMan becomes installed, if we're to test it, would be the idea of communication. How do you communicate to the umpire, everybody on the field, and fans, whether or not that pitch has been a ball or a strike in a, you know, in an instant time sure. frame as opposed to a delayed time frame. It's, in, it's all in fascinating stuff, fascinating stuff. One last question before I let you go, and I hope you'll join us again sometime, maybe during the course of the season. But sure. we know that last year alone, 32 players uh, from the Atlantic League signed contracts to return to affiliated ball. That doesn't mean the major leagues. Will, will TrackMan being present – in the Atlantic League, will that enhance that possibility the player could go from independent to affiliated ball? 
Dan, I hope I don't take too much of your or your listeners' time in, in responding to that. That's all right. The reason we asked for TrackMan, yep. going back now well over a year, was because Major League Baseball scouts who are represented at virtually every one of our games that's per, that's, suggested yeah, that, to yep. yours truly that we could expose in a highly favorable way all of our players more often mm-hmm. and more intelligently to each major league club if we could find a way to install advanced analytics in our ballpark. One of the things we know is going to happen moving forward is that each player on, on our field will now have his statistics relayed to Major League Baseball on a pitch-by-pitch-by-play basis mm. every night That's pretty at 30 remarkable. clubs. Yep. Moreover, because we will also be hosting Major League Baseball's video analysis as part of all of this, right. the advanced video capabilities now that will complement TrackMan will be able not just to count rotations, not just to count horizontal movement in the strike zone, not just to take a look at vertical movement with breaking pitches and so forth, but it will also be able to show the pinpoint exit of a ball from a palm of the hand Mm. on any one of our pitchers at release. So now they can measure arm angle and release point. And conversely, they can take a look at every single frame at 200 frames per second of a hitter mm. as his bat moves through the strike zone. It's, it's really remarkable yeah. stuff. And I know a lot of folks who consider themselves traditionalists bemoan the, the use of advanced analytics in baseball. But at the end of the day, the game is changing at a far more rapid rate than I think many of us truly understand. And it's like anything else, it evolves. So, A, we want to give our players more exposure. We want to move more of our players back to Major League Baseball organizations. But at the same time, and this was our true motivation for working with baseball on this, we determined that we could do one of two things as we began this discussion with Major League Baseball. We could either acknowledge the game is going to change and be a part of its evolution, or we could sit on the sidelines and watch. Yeah, bury your head in the sand. Yeah, Right. And I think you can, you can tell the point of view that our board took as they address this with Major League Baseball. I really appreciate your being on with us, Rick, and I hope you'll do this again in the not-too-distant future. Uh, we scratched the surface today. I think there's a lot more interesting stuff to, to talk about moving forward. Well, Stan, I've enjoyed it very much, and I'll look forward to the next time, okay? All right. Thank you, Rick. Thanks again. Take that, care. That's Rick White, the president of the Atlantic League, not the Independent League, the Atlantic League. Uh, eight cities in Long Island, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Southern Maryland, North Carolina, and the Sugarland Express. We're going to take a final time out right now from the live casino and hotel studios. And i got to tell you about the Costas Inn. That's right, the Costas Inn. Mr. Triantafilos and his boys, 
Nick and Pete, who run the place over there, 4100 North Point Boulevard. It's one of my favorite places. Great crab soup, great crab cakes, great steamed crabs, um, and specials every weeknight. Monday night is rib night. Tuesday night is crab cake night. Wednesday night is steak night. Thursday night is lobster night. Friday, Pete Triantafilos outdoes himself with um, a multiplicity of uh, specials. How's that for a big word? Multiplicity. That's pretty good. Anyway, the Costa's Inn. They're located at 4100 North Point Boulevard. Always a hometown uh, family atmosphere at the Costa's Inn. And remember, it's a great place to take your family or friends for a special occasion. Or if there's a special occasion you want to give somebody a gift card, you can get one at the Costas Inn. Call them 410-477-1975. is one of my favorite restaurants of all time. I've known the Triantopolis family now for over 23, 24 years. They've been there at 4100 North Point Boulevard since 1971. Great place. Try it for the first time. Fantasy and Reality Football Show. You can hear it by going to pressboxonline.com slash fantasy every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to noon. And you can also check us out on facebook.com slash pressboxsports. We talk about college football. We talk about the NFL. We talk about the fantasy aspect. We talk about the reality aspect. And we talk about soccer, the the other type of football. No. No, we don't. We don't? No. Never? No. Tennis? No. Rugby? Nope. No? Just football. NFL football. College football. football. Every Sunday morning, 10 a.m. to noon, Press Box Fantasy and Reality Football Show. Glenn Clark and Kyle Ottenheimer here from Glenn Clark Radio. Kyle, you know, I'm regularly asked by folks about how we get so many great guests on our show. Well, I I work really hard to get some of the biggest names on with us. I know you do, and the world recognizes it, but I want to challenge you to try to get some even bigger guests on the show moving forward. Okay, who do you have in mind? Well, nothing crazy. Like, what about Tim Tebow? Uh, How about Leonardo DiCaprio or or Lady Gaga, maybe Barack Obama? uh, You know what? I'll settle for Wilt Chamberlain. Well, I think he died. What? Yeah, like 20 years ago. So that's a maybe? Maybe Java Chamberlain. Glenn Clark Radio, Monday through Friday, 10 a.m. to noon at PressBoxOnline.com slash radio and Facebook.com slash PressBoxSports. No one wants to talk to Java Chamberlain. If trying something new was a bad idea, many of us would still be wearing polyester. This message is brought to you by Glory Days Grill. You may know us for our great burgers and wings, but Glory Days Pros. Mix it up with the fresh cedar plank salmon, cut in-house and grilled to perfection. Or sizzling and juicy steaks, meaty ribs, we have handcrafted salads and sandwiches by our talented chefs. Change tastes good. We experience the Glory Days Grill menu in all its glory. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sport. Respect. It's more than a word. In the U.S. Army, it is one of our core values, earned through selfless service to our nation and making a difference both at home and abroad. On the Army team, respect is earned daily. And now, in addition to earning respect, you may earn up to $40,000 in bonuses if you qualify. To learn more, visit GoArmy.com slash bonus or call 1-800-USA-ARMY. Paid for by the U.S. Army. 
The latest edition of Press Box is available now on the cover. We offer one more salute to Joe Flacco as his tenure in Baltimore comes to a close. Prominent media members and public figures, including Mayor Catherine Pugh, share their thoughts on what Flacco has meant to the city. Also inside, you'll find our annual comprehensive college lacrosse preview. Press Box is available for free at over 500 area locations, including 60 Royal Farm stores. You can also find the entire edition, as well as the best daily coverage of the Ravens, Orioles, and Terps at PressBoxOnline.com. Visit Buffalo Wild Wings weekdays from 11 to 2 and take advantage of their new 15-minute lunch guarantee or your lunch is free. That's right, free. And with a 15-minute lunch guarantee, that means less time waiting and more time eating delicious B-dubs before you got to get back to the office. Buffalo Wild Wings, White Marsh, Owings Mills, and Westminster Wings Beer Sports available for dine-in orders at participating locations for a limited time. See restaurant for details. Section 336 here with all your Baltimore sports talk. The Raven season is now done, but the Orioles season is just ahead. We have a new GM. We have a new manager. We have a few new baseball players out there. Reason for optimism. I don't know if you can name any of those new players, and I think we won 40-some games last year. Yeah, but I remember a terrible year in 1988 where we were able to turn it around the very next year in 1989. Why not 2019? Why yeah, not? why not? Why not check out Section 336 at Section336.com, Facebook, or on Twitter and iTunes as well. Just search for Section 336. The Glory Days Grill to Go menu is based on a simple reality. You can't spend your whole life at Glory Days Grill. Your boss wouldn't like it, and neither would your kids or your dog. So come to Glory Days and get your food to go. On your way to soccer practice, or to the office, or to, well, wherever. We know the hardest part of visiting Glory Days Grill is leaving. But at least you take a little piece of us wherever you go. Glory Days Grill. Great food. Good sports. What a sweet time to see our friend Steve at his Chick-fil-A restaurant in Nottingham Square. The chocolate milkshakes are the way they should be at Chick-fil-A, thick and chocolatey. But so is the peppermint chocolate chip milkshake, thick, chocolatey, and pepperminty. The strawberry milkshake is thick and very strawberry-y like it's supposed to be. Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square also has frosted coffee and ice-cold vanilla shakes. Plus, there's a cookies and cream milkshake. Cookies and cream! The Chick-fil-A sandwich is the best. The waffle fries are amazing. And at Steve's Chick-fil-A in Nottingham Square, his folks come around to check on you if you dine in. They refilled my drink for nothing the last time I was there. Do not leave hungry. Top off your next meal at Chick-fil-A Nottingham Square with something sweet. Shakes, cones, and cookies. All done the way you'd expect from Chick-fil-A perfectly. Join Chick-fil-A 1 and score points every time you order for free stuff. Our Chick-fil-A is on Campbell Boulevard in the Nottingham Square Shopping Center. And we're back from the live casino and hotel studios. Stan the Fan and the Bat Around with Miss Brittany Everett. We are ready to say our goodbyes. I was due to fill in for um, uh, Ken Zalis tomorrow. Glenn Clark will be in. I have a family funeral to go to, unfortunately. Um, my mom, my late mother's uh, first cousin, passed away. And I have to attend that funeral tomorrow. So, Glenn Clark, Kyle Ottenheimer tomorrow from 10 to 12. Monday through Friday, they're here from 10 to 12. Next Saturday, Craig Heist will fill in for me. I hope Brittany Everett doesn't decide to take the day off. I will, I will be here next Saturday, All right, yes. Great, great. Hey, uh, I want to wish uh, Get Well real quick to a friend of mine 
We had a guest on last Saturday. He's been a good friend of mine for the last three or four years, uh, Eric Garfield. Uh, at the Baltimore Snowball Company in Sarasota, Florida. They have this snowball concession at Ed Smith Stadium. He was riding his bike and got hit by a car. Uh, he's doing okay. He's at the hospital. I don't know if the snowball stand will be open the remainder of the uh, spring training schedule. Uh, he had broken ribs, a concussion, uh, Wait a minute, let me get this. I want to be accurate. Hold on. Broken ribs, punctured lung, and concussion. Probably eight weeks of uh, rehab for him. So uh, our thoughts and prayers go out to Eric Garfield. Baltimorean, he's down, but he's not out. He'll be back uh, down in Sarasota, Florida. All right, that does it for our show today. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. I'm off to UMBC to see the uh, Retrievers play. And did we? St- and I'm off to Towson to see the Tigers play. And who do the, who do the Retrievers play? Did you that, look it up? No, we I didn't, didn't look it up. Yeah. I know they're playing somebody. I can't remember who, but I'm sure it'll be a good basketball game. All right, that wraps us up for today. Uh, enjoy the rest of your weekend. <laughs>